an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. When our daughter Emma was born, we took a look at our credit card debt. It was not a good situation. We had been running up balances for quite some time, and it became a crisis. Finally, my wife Vicki said, call Trinity. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-793-8752 to talk to a certified counselor. We called them, they contacted all of our creditors, they stopped the collections calls, they got the interest reduced, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your bills, stop collections calls, wipe out late fees, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. We are now completely debt-free, and we will never be in the spot we were again, thanks to Trinity. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-793-8752. My name is John. I'm Vicki. And I'm Emma. And, and we're, we're debt-free debt for keeps. That's 1-800-793-8752. conservative in the cradle of liberty you'll want to listen when chuck moore speaks on the information radio network thank you very much and we are back chuck moore speaks monday through friday eastern standard time here at the usa network 10 till noon as i do the program from my home base here in the Cradle of Liberty, Boston, Massachusetts. We're joined by historian William J. Federer. He is the author of many books on American history, uh, also the uh, author of The American Minute, which is a fantastic email. I cannot recommend it more highly. Bill, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Bill, thank Good you for joining you. me. Thank you, Chuck. Uh, my pleasure. You know, the, uh, your books, your, your, your American Minute, one of the things I most admire about it is that you mention uh, the uh, American public figures, including, I think, virtually, if not every American president, from uh, Washington right up to Obama, publicly praying, uh, issuing prayers, whether it be during their inaugural, their State of the Union address, during public utterances at various settings. They publicly pray. They beseech God to grant his blessings to the country. They ask for guidance in times of stress. And uh, I think that uh, I probably have mentioned this to you before, but it seems to me that a great way to do an end run around the the business of public school prayer would be for your books with all of these great quotes, have a quote read every day at school with the prayer to God. I mean, how can the ACLU criticize that? I mean, here you have the president of the United States acting in the public capacity as president, praying to God. There should be a a recitation of these prayers read out loud and then perhaps a short discussion with regard to what they mean. What do you think? Well, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I coined a little phrase, let history say what you can't. <laughs> so if you share a faith, they'll think, oh, you're pushing your religion. Well, if you can quote from Franklin Roosevelt's D-Day prayer, or you can quote from Woodrow Wilson's Day of Fasting when we entered World War One, could you imagine that, a, a president declaring a day of fasting? Or um, you had uh, James Madison 
who's called the father of the Constitution, uh, he had a day of fasting and prayer when the British burnt the White House. Or even John Adams had a day of fasting and prayer when there was a threatened war with France. Or Washington, he declared two national days of prayer as president. One of them was right after they wrote the Constitution. <laughs> uh, he's thanking God for the constitutions of our country, especially the national one recently passed. And so how could the Constitution outlaw God when the Congress is requesting Washington and he responds by issuing a day of Thanksgiving for the Constitution? So it's a fascinating that's right. history and that's often overlooked. Yeah, and that brings us to the issue I wanted to discuss, and that is a bit of the history of Thanksgiving itself. Uh, before we take a look at the uh, the whole issue around the, the, the pilgrims and, and Governor Bradford's diary, um, I think it – am I accurate to note that it was President Washington who issued the nation's first executive order in uh, after one year of serving as president – when he declared that we would observe a national day of thanksgiving and prayer. And that, of course, is Thanksgiving. That's the holiday. You know, when, when we talk about Thanksgiving, the secularists like to leave out the fact that who is it that we are offering Thanksgiving? Who are we praying to? It's, it's God. And that Washington issued a proclamation that was a, a very religious document. It was, it was very prayerful. And, and that that established... Thanksgiving as the nation's first, or perhaps second, I suppose, the July 4th is the first, but uh, second day, you know, national holiday. I, am I right about that? Well, it, it's, Thanksgiving has an interesting history. During the colonial eras, they would have days of prayer when things were bad, days of fasting and prayer when things were real bad, and days of Thanksgiving when things turned around. So they weren't deists that believed God put the laws of nature in effect and then left, and your prayers are sort of pointless. No, they all believed that you could pray and God would intervene in history and change the things. Um, well, as far as the colonies, when the Revolutionary War started, many of the colonies declared days of prayer. And then after the victory at the Battle of Saratoga, um, it was Samuel Adams from Boston, Massachusetts, that suggested that the Continental Congress issue uh, the first national day of Thanksgiving, which they did November 1st, 1777. So this is considered the first national day of Thanksgiving because it's after the Declaration of Independence. Um, he writes, right. or the proclamation says, The grateful feelings of their heart join in penitent confession of their manifold sins, that it may please God through the merits of Jesus Christ, mercifully to forgive and blot them out of remembrance, and under the protection of the providence of Almighty God, secure for these United States the greatest of all human blessings, independence, and peace. They had another one of those yeah, when yeah. Uh, John Paul Jones uh, captured the British ship Serapis, and the Continental Congress declared the day of fasting, and they recommended it to the states. And so the different governors proclaimed it for their states, like Virginia Governor Thomas Jefferson proclaimed November 11th, 1779. Congress have thought proper to recommend to the several states a day of public and solemn thanksgiving to Almighty God for his mercies and prayer for the continuance of his favor, that he would go forth with our host and crown our arms with victory that he would grant his church plentiful effusions of divine grace and pour out his Holy Spirit on all ministers of the gospel, that he would bless and prosper the means of education and spread the light of Christian knowledge through the remotest corners of the earth. I do therefore issue this proclamation appointing a day of public and solemn thanksgiving and prayer to Almighty God 
given under my hand, 11th day of November, in the year of our Lord, 1779, Thomas Jefferson. And, uh, and then when, when Benedict Arnold, uh, who was about to betray West Point for the equivalent of a million dollars, uh, the spy, John Andre, was sneaking back to the British side, and he was stopped and searched, and they found the map of West Point in the heel of his boot. So they arrest him, march him back into Benedict Arnold's office. Benedict Arnold flees and joins the British, and um, we uh, offer a prisoner exchange. You know, give us Benedict Arnold back, we'll give you John Andre. They don't, and so we hang John Andre. But the uh, proclamation of the Continental Congress, October 18, 1780, said, In the late remarkable interposition of his watchful providence in the rescuing of the person of our commander-in-chief, because Washington was planning on visiting West Point the very day that it was going to be betrayed, it said, um, In rescuing the person of our commander-in-chief and army from imminent dangers at the moment when treason was ripened for execution, it is therefore recommended a day of thanksgiving and prayer to confess our unworthiness, to offer fervent supplications to the God of all grace, to cause the knowledge of Christianity to spread over all the earth. And then, of course, after the victory at Yorktown, uh, Congress has another day of thanksgiving, October 11, 1782, it being the indispensable duty of all nations to offer their supplications to Almighty God, the United States and Congress assembled to hereby recommend to the inhabitants of these states in general to observe the last Thursday of November as a day of solemn thanksgiving to God for all his mercies. And then there's the Treaty of Paris that ends the Revolutionary War, and uh, Massachusetts Governor John Hancock, the former president of the Continental Congress, he declares a day yes. of thanksgiving for his state in uh, response to the recommendation of Congress. He says, uh, this is November 8, 1783, the Massachusetts Governor John Hancock. The citizens of the United States have every reason for praise and gratitude to God for their salvation. I do appoint the 11th day of December next, the day recommended by the Congress to all the states, to be religiously observed as a day of thanksgiving and prayer that all the people may assemble and celebrate, that he may be pleased to continue to us the light of the blessed gospel, that we offer fervent supplications to cause pure religion and virtue to flourish, to fill the world with his glory. And then, wow. uh, picking up when the Constitution goes into effect, and they pass the Bill of Rights, that's when Congress requests Washington issue the first National Day of Thanksgiving after the Constitution goes into effect. And so that's uh, right. this one where he says, whereas both houses of Congress have requested by joint committee, requested uh, me, Washington, to, quote, recommend to the people of the United States a day of thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Therefore, I direct, recommend Thursday, the 26th of November, to be devoted by the people of the United States to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, is, or that will be, that we may render and, and unite all rendering him service and thanks for the peaceful and rational manner in which we have been able to establish constitutions of government, particularly the national one now lately instituted, for the civil religious liberty with which we are blessed to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue. But twice in there he's wow. thanking God for, quote, 
the uh, constitutions of government, particularly the national one now lately instituted. And, and so that's the first Thanksgiving proclamation after. Now, it's interesting with the, with the uh, Ferguson riots going on, there was the first riot, the Whiskey Rebellion. And uh, they, sure. uh, uh, the people in western Pennsylvania, uh, by the time they brought their corn to the coast, the state taxes took away all the profit, so they turned it into whiskey, and then the federal government decided to put on a whiskey tax, which took away all their profit, and so they, they rebelled, and uh, it was finally resolved, and Washington was the only commander-in-chief that served as commander-in-chief. He got on his horse, he led the army to western Pennsylvania, the rebellion dispersed, and he did something uh, that was unbelievable in the world at the time. He didn't punish anybody. Normally, when uh, you have kings and you have people leading rebellions, they string them up as an example. Washington just forgave everybody, went home. And so this set this unique um, precedent. But uh, he finally uh, issues his second National Day of Thanksgiving, uh, September 25th, 1794, resolved in perfect reliance on that gracious providence which so signally displays its goodness toward this country to reduce refractory uh, due to uh, and a due subordination to the law, to call to mind that as the people of the United States have been permitted under divine favor in perfect freedom, a solemn deliberation, and in an enlightened age to elect their own government, so with gratitude for their inestimable blessing, be blessed, uh, distinguished by firm exertions to maintain the Constitution and the laws. And then he issues a day of thanksgiving following that. Uh, thanking God for the great degree of internal tranquility which we have enjoyed, the recent confirmation of that tranquility by the suppression of an insurrection which so wantonly threatened it, the happy course of public affairs and divine beneficence toward us, you know, Almighty God implore his blessings and so forth. But a um, uh, fascinating history, as you mentioned, uh, Chuck, that we have here in America of Days of Thanksgiving. Did uh, when Franklin Roosevelt uh, fixed the Thanksgiving holiday uh, on a certain date, and he did it, um, I think mostly to give uh, businesses an opportunity to get a head start on, on Christmas, uh, you, you know, commerce. Uh, was there any uh, any uh, religious uh, aspect to that, or was that strictly a um, a you know kind of an executive decision? Yeah, that's sort of humorous. Um... Uh, he noticed, Franklin Roosevelt noticed, that shopping began the day after Christmas. And um, I hear the music. So right, we're going to take a brief break here. Bill Federer is my guest. Bill, sit tight. We'll be right back. You have probably heard of the KISS system, K-I-S-S. Keep it super simple. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? This is Andy Willoughby presenting the simple three-step plan home business system. I really think that the main reason the three-step plan has been able to help so many people build a business working from home is because of its simplicity. If you have a telephone, internet access, and some good old stick you can make more money working from home 
For information, go to 3-STEP-USA or call 800-480-2102. Our turnkey system will give you everything you need to be successful. Many 3-STEP plan members are now in the top 2% of income earners in the nation, and they did it working from home. If you want a better financial future and think you might appreciate the freedom of working from home, we invite you to check out the 3-STEP plan. Go to 3-STEP-USA or call 800 800- 480-2102. Owning and caring for a home comes with a lot of to-dos. Tune up the furnace, clean the gutters, remodel the kitchen. Whatever your home improvement need, Home Advisor can help you find a pro you can trust to get the job done right. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com for instant access to top-rated pros in your area, including electricians, handymen, plumbers, whatever type of home pro you need. And Home Advisor is absolutely free to use. At Home Advisor, you can read customer reviews of the pros, even use the cost guide to find out what hundreds of other home projects cost in your area. And because Home Advisor knows it's important to find a pro you can trust in your home, they conduct background checks on their service professionals. It's just one of the reasons more than 25 million homeowners have used Home Advisor. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com to find the right pro for your project. That's rebuild.homeadvisor.com. Today, most people are more likely to get a pay cut than a cost of living raise. But I have good news for you. You can build your own golden parachute. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby, and I think you'll find that the three-step plan home business system is a great solution to money worries. With a three-step plan home business, you can add to your income in your spare time. Many build their businesses into a full-time income that earns more than a regular job. That's a pretty good financial backup plan, don't you think? After all these years of hearing about us, you know that we have helped a lot of people earn extra money we could help you too. The three-step plan home business system is better than a parachute because we'll never leave you out there hanging. We'll train you and show you how to use the telephone and email to make money from home. Don't just worry about money. Do something about it. To find out how you could start making more money working from home, go to 3stepusa.com or call 800-480-2102. Hi, I'm Joan London, and if you're worried about your parent or a loved one living alone like I was, and you want reliable senior care information, then call A Place for Mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. You'll get free information on assisted living, Alzheimer's care, nursing homes, even important financial information. They had obviously researched every place, not just given me names. They found me a place for what she could afford, and it was magnificent. We're now very confident that she's safe, and they just helped every step of the way. And I can't thank them enough. So if you're struggling to find reliable senior living information, call a place for mom. This is a free service, and you can trust them to help you. If you're struggling to find reliable senior living information for your mom or dad, then call or go online to get the free help you need during this turbulent time. Call now, 800-469-7591, 800-469-7591. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. My guest is Bill Federer. The American Minute. He's the author of many books available at Amazon and, and Barnes and Noble. We're talking about Thanksgiving, the origins of it. Bill, I want to go back to uh, even earlier, the real origins of Thanksgiving, which was, of course, the um, the uh, 
the Plymouth, the Plymouth uh, Colony. And uh, the only account we have of the events of, of uh, Plymouth Colony are in the diary of Governor William Bradford, who recounts a situation where the original colonists were involved in a, an experiment that could be described as communist, and that when that led to starvation and, and great despair, they, uh, he realized that, uh, as he said, the Platonic approach, he was making reference to the, Pla uh, to the philosophy of Plato, which shows that those ideas were around even then, uh, had to be abandoned, and that people were given private lots and began to prosper. Thus, you had Thanksgiving, uh, the result of uh, the, the, the development of private ownership. Uh, I had on this program uh, a couple of years ago, and I had a liberal co-host, the, uh, the curator of the Plymouth Plantation Museum. We asked him about that, or I did, and he, uh, he tried to obfuscate the issue. He said, well, this isn't really true, and his use of argument was very deceptive in that he said, well, the Bradfords claim that this happened on this date, but it really happened on that date. And he basically tried to twist the subject by picking apart you know, nuances and, and minutia of, of how things were recorded, which I thought was really a, a disgraceful presentation, given the fact that Bradford's uh, testimony is, stands as the only evidence we have of what actually occurred at that time. Uh, could you shed some light a bit on, on those events? Sure. Um, it's important to understand that um, in the Middle Ages, Catholic Europe had a sin called usury. And it was a sin of usury to pay or receive interest. So consequently, throughout the Middle Ages, there were no companies that could pay interest. You had guilds and you had rich people. And if you were going to do some big endeavor, like sailing across the world, you needed it to be underwritten by a rich person or a monarch. Well, when the Reformation happened, uh, the first companies were started in Holland, the Dutch East India Company. And this is where anybody, a baker, a blacksmith, a cook, could invest money in a ship going to Indonesia. And when it came back filled full of spices, you could get paid interest, a profit. And if you wanted to sell your interest while the ship was at sea, you would go down to something they created called the Amsterdam Stock Exchange. You could sell your stock ownership in that ship. And then, of course, if the ship sank, that's when the Dutch invented insurance companies. And then the Dutch settled a colony called New Amsterdam, and it was on a Manhattan Island. And uh, the colony was on the half the island, then they built a wall uh, to protect it from the other half, and they would meet along the wall to sell their interest in uh, stock, and this became known as Wall Street, and when the British took over New Amsterdam around 1668, turned it into New York, it was changed to the New York Stock Exchange. So this is a way that individuals can participate in big endeavors and can get a profit off it, and so you can do things without a big government taxing everybody or without some rich people underwriting it, anybody could participate in the endeavors and anybody could prosper off it. Anyway, so there are three types of colonies in, in the, the New World. The first was a company colony. Uh, the second was a royal colony. The third was a proprietary colony. Proprietary is like Pennsylvania where the whole thing was given as property to William Penn. Or Maryland was given as property to Lord Baltimore. 
or the Carolinas was given as property to the seven Lord proprietors. Um, and so that was a proprietary. But Virginia was a company colony. And so you had investors. They were hoping it would be prosperous like Jamaica, which was the British colony. Um, William Penn's dad, Admiral William Penn, along with Edward Winslow, um, and others captured <clears throat> Jamaica from the Spanish. And it turned into the pirate haven, uh, Port Royal, and uh, they stole gold from the Spanish and became the most prosperous colony in the New World. They called it the Sodom of the New World because of all the immorality. But nevertheless, uh, uh, Port Royal, Jamaica was very, very prosperous. And so the thought was that Virginia colony would be prosperous the same. Uh, They really hadn't conceived of the idea of starting a new nation. Uh, So what happened was that the Virginia company uh, ended up going bankrupt. They had malaria, they had Indian attacks, they had all kinds of diseases, um, and they were about to give up on it all, but about 500 people died in the first 10 years, so they threw the thing in the king's lap and called it a royal colony. This is your mess, king, you handle it. Well, the king was busy with Europe. That was the chessboard. And so he basically sent over a royal governor. And I, I hear the music, so I'll pause. Yep, we'll, we'll be right back. Thank you. 